0: The Cambridge Marketing Podcast with Kieran Kapoor, brought to you by Cambridge Marketing College. See their range of courses and apprenticeships at marketingcollege.com. Hello and welcome. Today, we are looking at an area of the economy that we've not done before, which is called the nighttime economy. And my guest is Natalie Cargill, Digital Marketing Project Manager at Cambridge Bid. Natalie, welcome. The nighttime economy always sounds sort of vaguely risque and ominous. Oh, um, what does the nighttime economy actually mean?
1: Uh, So if we're within our area in Cambridge Bid, uh, for kind of nighttime economy, we count anything from 5 p.m. to 5 a.m. So any industry that falls into that, obviously, that fits more within the kind of hospitality um, and kind of the late night bar kind of area. Hotels still fit into that. Occasionally, certain shops fit into that, not all. Um, But yeah, if you are open between 5 p.m. and 5 a.m., you're counted in our nighttime sector.
0: I, I love the idea that nighttime starts at 5 pm. Yeah, that's so early. Okay.
1: <laughs> it is awfully early, but for things like our purple flag assessment and things like that, it would fit into that. For me, nighttime kind of probably more starts along the 9 pm, 7 pm um, hmm. area. But for the assessment's point of view, what we market is from 5 pm to 5 am um and what we work with within our group is that as well
0: okay so you said that um, we'll come back to purple flag um because that's quite, mm-hmm. it's a whole different and interesting area um so you said it encompasses hospitality bars restaurants hotels presumably also theaters and concert venues
1: yeah 100 percent. and then we also kind of look at areas even with transport and um, so late night buses and things like that so
0: a wide area to cover yes and i i've noticed you know you have things um uh, taxi marshals and things like that so there's yes. there's quite a lot of additional thing around it's not it's it, it's including ferrying people from a to b to get them to the bars and the restaurants yes 100% why is the nighttime economy so important why is it a, a separate section of th- something that we talk about
1: and I think it's just a different kind of sector that has multiple different audiences and um, compared to retail. It's one of those areas which is a bit more kind of lively and a bit more things going on. Lots of places will have individual events. It's not something you really find in retail. You wouldn't have one off events going on or a music concert going on that day or a mini festival going on that day that runs into the evening. So it's a kind of different ball game as well as it has its own connection of people um especially in things like hospitality you'll find a lot of things like the restaurants will all know each other and work together and support each other and then you find a lot of the hotels especially in cambridge in particular all the hoteliers around here know each other and they always want to support and work with each other obviously at the end of the day business is business and you still want to be the best in the area but you also want to support each other and make sure this city in particular
0: we all kind of push together to create the atmosphere we want across the whole city. So is the nighttime economy particularly vibrant in Cambridge or is it something you really have to work on?
1: For us, we it's all it's pretty vibrant. I think we've got quite an interesting audience in the sense that we have two different student audiences, one being obviously the University of Cambridge and then the other being Angela Ruskin University. Um, so we have a high footfall when it comes to students, especially for the late, late night um, so more your kind of late night bars and club areas in Cambridge. Our local residents, um, which is more for like the restaurant entertainment kind of factor we have in Cambridge. So Corn Exchange, um, theatres, all the restaurants around there. Um, so it's a big mix, which then would probably bring me on to like how we market it. It's a little bit more difficult because we have to appeal to so many different audiences and kind of direct our marketing, depending on what it is, towards each one
0: separately. OK, so you, you've obviously mentioned marketing. That's very useful on a marketing mm-hmm. podcast. So let's go Let's go through the different audiences and think about how you do market to them. So let's start with the university students. So the key thing about university students is they come and they go because they're here for term time. Yes. yes. So how do you go around marketing to them?
1: Oh, uh, with them, I mean, so. As of this year, we've started to do kind of a big push uh, with marketing towards them. We've definitely looked at more ways of marketing. We have one within kind of our public flag group, which is where we kind of base the marketing from with the group. And we have quite good connections into the University of Cambridge and Angla Ruskin. Um, So we do kind of physical marketing in the sense, the classic of flyers, maps. We have a thing called the night map, which is similar to the one you may see in Cambridge, which is the Love Cambridge map that the night map only has anything that is nighttime related on it. Um, you have the standard safety kind of flyers that include things like taxi marshals, best numbers to contact, um, the Alps for Angela scheme, all of those kind of things, street passers. Um, and then we do other physical things like obviously Freshers' Fair, uh, beginning of the year, brand new base of students. We go down, we have giveaways, we're there so they know what to do or who to contact. We have lots of different questions come at us from mixture of ranges and we can give them the best advice or we can give the best contact of who they should talk to in those so- uh, situations. And then the other thing is social media within the group okay. across multiple channels.
0: Yes, because the, the other thing is not only is the student population transient because they only come in for the for term time, but then, as you say, you've got this sort of fresh new population every year. So, you've constantly got a turnover of new people. Um, So, you're constantly giving out the same messages, presumably.
1: Yeah. So, obviously, around freshest time, it's pretty much the same messaging every year, um, just Mm -hmm. because it's a brand new set of students. Um, We try and obviously mix it up. But again, for the students, it's one of those things that is the same messaging, uh, especially when it comes around safety um, and just what to do in the nighttime economy. Things that would be changing is what we do with the venue so as a Cambridge bid point of view we always try and promote things that are going on in the city centre so that would change depending on let's say if one restaurant has one event this year it might be completely different next year Um, but that is one of those things they send us in stuff we will then promote it for them kind of thing.
0: Okay so that was the student audience now what about the sort of Mm -hmm. you, you mentioned local residents so how do you market to them?
1: Uh, Similarly we do, I mean for us social media is a big section for us, Um, we're kind of promoting events and so on.
0: Presumably you've got different segments within the local residents, so how do you segment your local residents because um, one local resident is not necessarily in the same group or has the same interests as another one?
1: Well that kind of thing, really it's just the amount we put out on social media because our channel, the Love Cambridge channel kind of features everything um it would just be multiple posts which are slightly different. So for example, for film night this month we'll have about four or five posts go out and it'll be different copies trying to try and attract different audiences. and um, with the kind of sharing across people's boards, across different hopefully capturing those people who then use word of mouth through either social media or just in real life.
0: Okay. Um, the other thing I'm intrigued by, I can see that your the style and the copy might be different for if you're dealing with, oh, I don't know, something that's going on in the Cambridge Arts Theatre, which I think typically has a slightly older audience than perhaps mm-hmm. something that was going on in um, one of the local nightclubs. Um, how do, how, you said you use Love Cambridge, but does the social media channels that you use change?
1: Uh, so depending if it's more kind of business related, which is rarely kind of within that occasion, we have events which are just kind of for the businesses and like kind of, we would then kind of switch to LinkedIn for Mm -hmm. kind of our majority of our B2C things. It'll go across all the love Cambridge channels. So Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and we obviously have access to visit Cambridge as well, which is another brand we promote and use to kind of promote for businesses for that kind of thing. It's much more kind of tourism than our local residents. Um so I wouldn't say as much as the nighttime economy goes on there, other than if there's big events on. So if there's a big act coming to the Corn Exchange, that'd be something we would put on there, but we wouldn't put your local Friday night down there, at MASH or Lola's kind of thing.
0: <laughs> okay. And you said that the the style and the copy was different. So just give me a sort of an idea of the different type of styles that you might consider for your different audiences. Uh, so i mean so from that
1: it'd be kind of like whether it's kind of fun light-hearted kind of copy to something that's more kind of a traditional style of copy um some of them will just be like kind of very short and snappy especially to students and um, we'll try and focus around the imagery for that instead of like long copy um because we kind of want to just grab their attention from the picture if i'm truthfully honest because There's not that many people that read copy for kind of the older audience. They, we found that they will give the time to kind of read the copy. They'll comment and things like that. So Mm -hmm. it's just kind of, how do we engage with them? So for certain people, posts will always be like, oh, comment your favorite restaurant or tell us about your favorite restaurant kind of thing at the end of the copy to create that engagement with students. I mean, I think we're mainly kind of looking for the likes because we just want them to be like, bang, I've seen it. I like this. This is something I'm interested in.
0: Interesting. So the type of engagement that you're looking for changes in the in the different audiences?
1: Yeah, I think it's just the way they respond to like their social media channels. Um, a big thing for us obviously that's changing is people aren't kind of going through Instagram as like one of our main platforms. People I don't know if everyone's noticed, but for us, we've noticed people don't kind of go through the generic front of Instagram. It's all kind of stories or reels. Um, so that's kind of a big section for us. Is like people are literally wanting those thirty seconds, and that is it. <laughs> that's how do you put something out there that someone can get all the information in thirty seconds, or people that are interested can go through. So link stories are great. We link them onto our website. So we'll link them to the Cambridge bid website where there's more about purple flag on there. Um, if there's events, we can link directly to the event on there and things like that. But yeah, it's just kind of like morphing the style of the way you do social media to be more instantaneous.
0: It's interesting because you're you've got to not only raise the profile of events, but you've also got to get the information across about the event in case somebody goes, "Oh yes, I'd like to go." So yeah. it's not just profile raising, which it does make your your challenge quite uh, interesting.
1: Yeah, we definitely uh, kind of multitask over here and make sure we try and cover as much as we possibly can. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so you mentioned several times purple flag, yeah. and. I must admit, until I was preparing for this um, interview, I had never even heard of the purple flag. So can we just go back to basics? What is purple flag?
1: Um, The purple flag is the nighttime safety flag created by the ATCM. If we go proper, simple, yeah. (laughs) The ATCM? So the ATCM is the uh, nonprofit who helps with managing high streets. They also Mm -hmm. um, kind of do networking for bids, um, across the city as well as kind of city councils and things like that. They've got quite a lot of different products you can jump on,
0: trainings and so on. Okay, so they issue something or they they market something called the purple flag.
1: Uh, yeah, so they were the creators of the purple flag. So they also created things like the blue flag for beaches, if you've ever heard of blue flags. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Yeah. So that's the ones that say beaches are good quality and you might want to go and um, and swim here or, or or whatever. So purple flag yeah. is the equivalent, but for the night, night, is it specifically for the nighttime economy?
1: Yes. So it's only for the nighttime economy. So the easiest way we've always explained it, because most people don't know what a purple flag is. <laughs> and the easiest way we've always explained it is, do you know the blue flag? And if you do understand the blue flag system, essentially the purple flag is for nighttime and essentially to prove your city is safe. Um, you go through quite a long assessment for it. There is a lot of paperwork. There's a lot of pulling people together and um, to gather the information. And every two years, you do a walk around with the actual assessors um, and take them around your city, and they will mark you according to what you put you what you've put against what you think the city should be at.
0: Okay, so by n- the purple flag being there it should reassure mm-hmm. people that it's a safe place to be out in the nighttime economy is that is that is that it yes a hundred
1: percent so yeah that's part of it and i think also it gives us a good base to work from as well so within the Pebble flag there's a certain um that you have to follow which includes also having your Pebble flag group um which has to be involved with people within the city, so city council, the policing and so on. And then also we have businesses involved. So we get quite a lot of feedback and we can actually bounce that out to the public as well.
0: Okay. So I think I've got two questions. One is I can see there's a a logic to having a purple flag because as you say, it gives you a framework and quite often um, getting accreditation is actually a part of going through that process. But if people don't know what it is, is there any point in having it?
1: So I think for us, it's more by having it, it's a starting point. And this year, especially, it's one of these years that we've been looking into how do we raise the profile of the purple flag. Um, mm-hmm. In the past, it's just kind of been one of the things that we have in the background. And then we do multiple projects from it that just have the purple flag as the branding. Um, but this year, we wanted people to actually know what it is. So hopefully, you'll see in the next kind of coming months over the summer, especially For the new student season in September, there should be a lot more kind of purple flag things going on around the city. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But it is one of those things that have slowly kind of developed over the years. We've got, because it's such a large group and we need people to all agree at the same time, it does take quite a few steps and processes. We can do certain things straight away with marketing, but there's certain larger projects that we kind of have to push through and can take a year or two to complete. Mm
0: -hmm. So... One of the things I was intrigued by looking at your marketing, you've obviously got all the sort of positive marketing about, you know, there's this great event coming up, there's um, you know, something you might like to attend, something you might like to enjoy, a meal you might like to have. So there's some really positive messages you get out. But there's an awful lot on the back end about safety and addressing people's safety concerns, which is what the purple flag is for. Do you risk having to come across a bit negative?
1: Um, I think within that kind of economy, you've always got the risk of coming across negative. I think it's just how you spin it to make sure it's not a negative. Um, We want people to be as safe as possible when they're out and about in the city. We want them to know those things for them. um, And it's making sure it's done in a positive message. There's things like Ask Rangela, which can come across negative if it was phrased incorrectly. But At the end of the day, the scheme is a positive scheme. Overall, it gives you a slight independence when you're out. It's just making sure when you do come to marketing it, you always give it that positive note. It's not a negative scheme. It's there as a benefit to you when you're out and about.
0: So can we just explain what Ask for Angela is?
1: Oh, yeah, of course. Um, So Ask for Angela is a scheme that majority of the bars and restaurants and clubs especially are involved in Cambridge and are aware of. You'll see they'll have posters in the bathrooms. And essentially, if you feel unsafe at any point, you can go to the bar and you can ask if Angela's there. And the bar team there will either keep you at the bar to have a conversation and to keep you away from... Whatever you're feeling uncomfortable with, if it feels really bad, then they will either escort you into a safe room or an office space where they can stay with you. They can organize taxis for you and so on. Each venue will deal with it slightly differently, but they know you don't feel safe right now. I need to make sure we go through what's happened and we'll get you either out or we'll keep you with us to make sure you're on with our side kind of thing. If okay. that makes yes sense.
0: That's, <laughs> Yes, it does and it, um, it, it's a classic example of something as you say that it could sound very negative or you can turn it into a positive, which is what you just did. It's always an area that intrigues me. I'm a car manufacturers having to talk about the safety of the cars can always seem a little bit on the sort of negative side. So I've always find it quite interesting when people have to deal with negative messages and still put a positive spin on them.
1: Yeah, I think that is one of the probably hardest things we're dealing with the nighttime economy is a lot of it can be seen as negative, especially when you see lots of things coming out in the news, um, especially Mm -hmm. last year with the kind of the increase in spiking that came out in the news. Mm -hmm. We actually luckily in Cambridge didn't have that much at the time. There were spiking kits in clubs. There are still majority of the clubs have things like spiking kits available. Um, that they can test if something, they feel like something has gone wrong. There are steps that all these places have been put in place.
0: Okay, so not only are you out there telling people about what's coming up, but you were also obviously reacting to some of the news or the concerns that people might have. So there's quite a lot, there's some reactive communications going on as well.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, like the nighttime economy is one of those ones where it can fluctuate very quickly. Um, and you need to make sure people are aware of schemes such as taxi marshals, street passers, which everyone loves, um, <laughs> the Ask for Angela, and there's a couple of new ones hopefully coming soon as well that we're going to start shouting out about, which will be exciting.
0: Can you see the um, communication tools that you're using likely to change over time, or can you see that you're going likely to stay within social media and your in, and your stories and reels and things?
1: I think for us currently, we're probably going to stay in the social media world. There may be things like TikTok we may look at in the future. Um, Again, it's another social media channel, I think for ease across the board for us because yes, although from my side of point of view, we put out a lot on love. We do work with kind of the police, the city council and stuff where we'll design messaging for them as well when it's puff flag related and for the easiest and quickest way to get out is social media. Um, Mm -hmm. There's always events we hold as well that we'll go a little bit further with. We'll work with people like Star Radio, we'll work with Cambridge Edition, um, Cambridge Independent to kind of shout out about it and do the more kind of traditional radio or print press. Um, But because the nighttime economy can change and move quite quickly, social media is the quickest way for us to get out there.
0: Natalie Cargoth um, from The Cambridge Bid, thank you so much. That was a really interesting overview of uh, a whole area of economy that um, many of us don't even think about, the nighttime economy, but a really strong part of um, local economy and also the national economy as well. Thank you very much indeed for your time. No problem. Thank you for having me.
1: The Cambridge Marketing Podcast from Cambridge Marketing College. Training marketing and PR professionals across the globe.